you are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Indians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis, formerly of Scout, formerly of 24-7, formerly of just about any Cleveland sports blog you can imagine. I probably had something there at some point in time. We have a game to talk about today. We got some feedback on the trade podcast. I had a few other names come up. I did some own little bits of research. We're going to talk about outfielders today. We're going to talk about how the position uh, isn't as good as you think. Let's just leave it right there, put it on Front Street. Uh, outfielding in, and on the whole is not good uh, in terms of offensive production, and I'll back that up. I will explain why it is not a good uh, position. We'll also go into some of the other big young names. You know, we talked about Reynolds. We talked about uh, Mullins. Brain fart moment on the guy that I wanted to acquire more than the other. Uh, there's some other names. Uh, I'm going to leave off Jess Winkler because I just don't think uh, the Reds are all that high on trading for him, and I'm going to save that for later on. We'll kind of save Winkler for a later point in time, if I'm being honest. So, but let's, you know, skip past all that. The The Indians won a series against the Twins. We never thought we'd see the day, right? Uh, we talked about the fact that the Twins are having an awful, awful year against everyone other than the Indians who uh, they were just beaten up on. I mean, they were uh, taking advantage of the Indians. Uh, they had a over 500 record against them. Uh with the uh, the loss today for the Twins, though, you know, it's not all doom and gloom. They're up to the seventh pick in the draft, uh, not that far beyond Miami for the sixth pick. And, of course, that's not where they want to be. That's not where they expected to be. But at this point in time, you know, adding another high pick uh, is a good thing. And unless you're the front office. I mean, the front office there has to feel a little bit of heat, right? And you go back and you look at this Minnesota team, uh, those core draft picks are supposed to be contributing by now. The people who were in there who, you know, they've had the money to spend. They've gone out and added pieces in free agency. They've had high draft picks. Uh, they had some years of just bad play. And they really don't have anything to show for it right now. Uh, you look at this Twins team. Yeah, Nick Gordon was a very high draft pick, and he's playing every day. I don't know if he's proven himself to be that guy. Miguel Sano was the big-name outfield prospect. Uh, now he's at first base because he couldn't handle the outfield, and he's struggling. Max Kepler, massive step back. Josh Tonelson's been good, but I don't know if he's worth his contract. Uh, Jorge Polanco is getting close to free agency. He has been their best hitter. When Brian Buxton isn't healthy, I mean, Buxton has been their top guy. He's just been unable to stay healthy. Uh, you can go back to, I mean, that was the Carlos Correa draft, where I believe I had the top two players in that class were Buxton 1, Correa 2, and I had no problems with uh, the Astros taking Correa because he was cheaper. And I, I we didn't know that Buxton would just have all of his health issues. This isn't a bad team, but it's a flawed team. And it's a team where all those high picks, what do they have to show for it? All those first rounders, what did the Twins really have to show for that so far? And like I said, this is when they're supposed to be ascending. And instead, they're going to have the seventh pick in the draft. Royce Lewis is still not played above double-A. Uh, Jordan uh, Belazovic is probably their biggest up-and-rising prospect. Getting uh, Simon, Simon, getting Simon 
Woods Richardson and Austin Martin was a heck of a return for Jose Barrios. But you go look at their top 10 prospects right now, and it's a lot of guys from trades. And it's, again, they had a lot of high picks. Uh, you know, you look at Ryan Jeffers, who's a relatively high pick. Uh, ben uh, Rodevert, Rodevet, high pick. And the, why am I blanking on who was uh, uh, playing for them? To, um, not playing for another, but Brent Rooker, who's played for them a lot recently, but is not currently up. Like, Rooker was supposed to be the safe guy. And this is just a team that is, yeah, they're beat up, but they're also just failing in their developmental cycles. Uh, Kirilov was another high pick who, I mean, he's shown some things, but I don't think he's like put himself on the map as an absolute everyday type. This has been a interesting developmental cycle. I understand the approach. They kind of skewed going for pitching talent because uh, going for hitting talent is traditionally safer, but they don't a lot of their talent is homegrown. You can't knock them for that. Uh, you look at their starters on most nights outside of the shortstop and the DH. Most of them came internally. But yeah, I too much time on the Twins here, long and short. I just wonder if the seat is at all hot with Minnesota. Uh, you get that window to build. You're building to something. And this was, I mean, they were supposed to be the wildcard team this year. They made the playoffs last year. They haven't won a postseason series in how long? Uh, I mean, they feel a little bit like a cursed franchise. And like I said, I just, you got owners who, you know, baseball, you tend to get a longer run, but I mean, sometimes they want to see a return on investment. Look what just happened with Philly and the Angels. Uh, but let's dive into this game. So this was a fun one to watch. The Twins for a while there had uh, three runs on just two hits because Paul, Paul Quantrell was amazing. Outside of a double in the second inning, he didn't allow a base runner until the uh, the seventh where things came a little off the rails. He went walk, strike out, fly out, uh, and then you have the error, right, The uh, on uh, the dropped foul pop-up by Bobby Bradley. Another walk, and then the home run, and then another walk, and that's when they pull him out of the game. But yeah, it's another stellar performance. He had essentially one base runner through his first six innings. He ends up with no earned runs in this one. Uh, the Bobby Bradley error is the only reason there are runs on the board. If Bobby Bradley catches that ball, uh, this game is, I mean, Quantrill might be probably be done after seven. Uh, but he would have, instead of being six and two thirds, two hits, three runs, zero earned, three walks, four strikeouts, and a home run or a home run given up. Would have been seven innings, one hit, zero runs of any kind, and uh, what? Just two walks, because he hadn't walked anyone until that inning, anyways. Uh, so yeah, it, that you're in that case, you're looking at stellar outing. Shaw comes in, and you know, for all the credit I've given him this year, one and one third inning, one hit, one strikeout. He was effective. Blake Parker, I, I've not been his always the most supportive there. One inning, one uh, gets the strikeout. They did their jobs uh, for the Indians. The Bobby Bradley just the drop foul ball, uh, but you know he makes up for it offensively in this one. Goes two for five with a walk, one of the Indians' three walks, and this one has his thirteenth home run of the year. Uh, middle of the order, the three four five was just deadly. Jose Ramirez goes three for four, Fran Mil Reyes goes three for five, and then two for four with that walk for Bobby Bradley. I think I said earlier three for four. I should have said two for four with the walk. Uh, Fran Mil Reyes was his twenty ninth home run of the year. And Bobby Bradley also had a double, so he had a double and a home run, and Jose Ramirez with his 30th double. So 
I don't think he's going to get there, but he has a chance, an outside chance at 30 doubles, 30 home runs, 30 stolen bases for Jose Ramirez. He could be a 30-30-30. It'd be something fun just in terms of numbers and production, and I'd have to go dig and see how common that is. At the top of my head, I, I don't know. Uh, he's at 23 stolen bases. The other two are already at 30, so could he steal seven more? Uh, they have, what, uh, nine, 29 more games to go? It's, it's certainly a possibility. It would be a lot, but it is a possibility. Who else reached, who else reached base t- uh, two times in this game? Well, Miles Straw had three hits. You go down the line, and then uh, Oscar Mercado had a home run and a walk in this one. Uh, who didn't reach base at all? That'd be Yu Chen Chang, who went over five. Uh, Jimenez had a walk but had no hits. Hedges had a hit but no walks. And Bradley Zimmer had one hit as well but no walks. I mean, they had 14 hits and three walks, plus Minnesota had two errors. So that's 17, I'm sorry, 19 opportunities. So to get 12 runs on 19 opportunities is really good. And anytime you see it high like that, that is typically because there were multiple home runs. And that's what occurred. They had multiple home runs uh, often. I don't think. Uh, Fran Mills was the only one where nobody was on base. Uh, for the Twins, they had, what, they ended up with three walks as well, so they had six, seven opportunities. And to get three runs and seven opportunities is uh, is solid as well. And really, like I said, this could have been a 12-0 game. It's just that pop-up that is the difference. Pontrell, easily one of the stars of the game. You give it to him without a doubt. Uh, Fran Mill going three for five. And having the home run, I can't give it to Bobby Bradley. <laughs> the The error was just too big. Like the er- yes, he did other things, but the error essentially balanced out what he did offensively. Uh, so you give it to Jose, who goes three for four and has his thirtieth double, and just continues to do Jose type of things uh, in this game, and continues just to be you know a deadly hitter in his own right. Uh, strong game. For the Indians, again, they beat the Twins. They are now 71-73, and 73, two games under 500. The Twins fall to 64-83. and 83. Uh, What's that, like approaching 20 games under? Uh, you know, sometimes I'm not good with math. No, it's like 10 games under because if you take 10, you'd be at, what, like 74-73. and 73. You'd be a little over 500, so about 10 games under for them. Cleveland's recent uh, better play of late. They have now uh, won three of their last seven games. We talked about them having the 13th overall pick. Well, the Mets have lost three in a row, stinking up the joint. The Angels have been inconsistent. So the Indians are now to the 15th pick in the draft. And they're kind of just in that 13-14-15. The Angels, Mets, and the Indians are just kind of dogfighting around these three picks. Uh, Philadelphia at 16 is at a 5.03 winning percentage. So there is a chance if a team got hot, they would get to there. The 17th pick right now belongs to Cincinnati, who is still uh, in the wildcard hunt. Uh, even though they've lost four in a row and San Diego was lost five in a row. Uh, those are the teams kind of competing for that wild card uh, spot. Uh, they, it's just easier to, to make it in the National League right now. If you go through, it's like the Dodgers or San Francisco. Those teams, I mean, they got the two best winning percentages in baseball. One's going to get a wild card. One's going to be the division leader. But then you look at that secondary spot. I mean, the 19th pick is St. Louis. San Diego and Cincinnati are uh, behind them now, currently tied at the same winning percentage uh, for that spot. That that secondary spot has been kind of up for grabs. Now St. Louis has won five in a row, and that's what's propelled them, while the other have lost five and four in a row. And obviously, you know, Cleveland is not in their wild card hunt. But yeah, we'll continue just to talk about this 
middling draft area. And remember, it would have been better for the Indians if the Mets had signed Kumar Rocker. I I think we all learned our Brady Aiken lesson. Until you can see the medical report, uh, you have to give a team a benefit of the doubt. No team wants to punt a pick. And there was something that scared the Mets enough. But because of that, you know, the Mets are now guaranteed the 11th pick in next year's draft. They move down one spot and get that comp pick. So right now we're talking about Cleveland having the 15th pick in next year's draft. If not for the Mets' failure sign, it would be the 14th pick with a possibility of getting up as high as the 12th overall pick. So that is, you know, just something to keep in mind. And we'll continue to talk about it because, honestly, uh, you know, when they win, it's fun to watch the Indians win. When they lose, well, the benefit is the potential higher pick and more It's not just about, like, you might say, well, what's really the difference between picking 13th and 15th? Well, a few hundred thousand dollars in pool money. Because every round, you're higher. And all of those rounds, it's going to mount up. And you're probably, I'm guessing, three to four hundred thousand dollars more in pool money, which then allows you to sign, through the course of the draft, much better talent. Because it's not just that it's, you're getting the, that first round pick, pool differential, you're getting it in rounds two through ten, uh, for instance, last year was about uh, almost six hundred thousand dollar difference. So think about having extra an extra six hundred thousand to spend on prospects. That's the equivalent in money spending of a probably somewhere around like a third or fourth round pick, depending on the player. So that's a pretty significant differential. So that that's where you have to think about it. In addition to just a uh, higher draft pick, it's it's pool. I mean, pool matters as much as draft position. That's just the truth of it. We're going to take a quick commercial break and come back and talk about some more young outfielders and talk about the outfield position in general and why it might be hard for the needs to find an out upgrade at that position. It's time to get your TV together, people. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching your sports highlights on your phone, you've, uh, and you've got your, friend, your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get your entertainment you love without the hassle, without the extra steps, and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. It means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. So let's talk about outfield, outfield just general in baseball. So I go over to fan graphs, and I, I dropped the minimum uh, plate appearances you needed to 300. I figured 300 gives us a decent enough sample for players this year. You know, someone like Kettle Marte is only at 311, or Brandon Nimmo at 320 are both listed, both in the top 15 in terms of runs created plus. Uh, you know, we talked about Cedric Mullins. He's seventh. We talked about Brian Reynolds. He's 13th. I've talked about Robbie Grossman. Robbie Grossman has the 29th best runs created plus amongst all of, you know, outfielders in baseball. 29th. Uh, I know it's a thing. Like I said, I love Hiram's passion, and he's like, Grossman is a, you know, he's not, the Indians have guys like him. They don't. I'm just going to go back to it. If Detroit would consider trading Grossman, I would absolutely be on that because he's the 29th most productive outfielder in baseball you know who's 32nd tyler naquin uh he who i mean the production has been very fallen off but he's still there uh will myers gets a bad rap he's 34th if you want to find guys who are average a 100 a straight 100 yeah the list ends with andrew vaughn and andrew benintendi who are 52nd and 53 there's 53 outfielders in all of baseball 
who have a wins uh, a runs creative plus of 100 or better. Uh, and some of these guys, like Vaughn, have played you know some outfield, some other spots. Uh, it's not just guys who are 100% outfielders. Some interesting guys that are a little bit under that one. Uh, Miles Straw is at 59th. That's right, Miles Straw is the 59th best WRC in baseball right now amongst outfielders. And think about it. You go through, how many teams are there? 30. Multiply by 3, 90. He's he's in the you know the upper two-thirds of the league in terms of offensive production amongst outfielders. Anthony Santander is it sitting at a 99 right now. He's been slowly improving his performance since he's gotten healthy. Alex Dickerson, who I wanted the Indians to add a few years ago, who's currently, I believe, on the DL with uh, San Francisco. Some of their outfield depth uh, is sitting there at 55. How about old friend alert, Ben Gamble? That's right, Ben Gamble has 100 WR, 101 over the course of this year. That's right, he's been better than uh, anyone in the Indians outfield by runs created plus. He has been better than Miles Straw. He is sitting there at a 101. Now defensively, he's not been great. He's been worth almost one win. I was very rough on them for keeping Ben Gamble, but it's one of those things you look back now and you're like, oh no, he's he's not been bad. He's actually been pretty so, uh, solid and steady. He's having the second best year of his entire career, as a matter of fact, with the Pirates. Uh, but, I mean, think about the cost for Kansas City to add Andrew Benintendi, and he's at 100. You go through this list, and you think about, think where Mike Yastrzemski was a year ago in terms of value. He's a 105. I'll talk about Trent Grisham a bit in a bit a bit more soon. Uh, he's at a 105. It's a list with, you know, Hunter Renfro was cut. Tyler Naquin was cut. Uh, Kale Badu was a, a guy who was on the uh, Rule 5 selection. Adam Duvall was let go. A lot of players, Josh Rojas has uh, bounced around, took him a while to get an opportunity. He's currently sitting there at 41st. Robbie Grossman was cut by the Indians. That's still one that stings. Lamont Wade Jr. was an under-the-radar trade that San Francisco made with the Twins. Talk about the Twins' struggles. Uh, And Lamont Wade Jr. sitting there 20th overall. This is a rough list. Uh, And it goes to show, as much as everyone's like, the Indians need to upgrade the outfield... I mean, yes, but how are they going to do it? <laughs> like, It's not as easy as you think. This isn't the, the 90s. There's not just this huge log of, of good outfielders. The, the one position that you can say that about, where there is consistently talent available, is first base. We've talked about the fact that C.J. Crone can't get a contract, even though he's consistently like in a 110 to 120 runs creative plus. You can find value at first. Uh, that's why I'd always be willing to move on from... Uh, paying any first baseman a lot of money unless they are like Pete Alonso or Freddie Freeman because you can consistently find value there. Outfield, that just, it's not the case. And we're seeing that uh, you go down, and Max Kepler is at 98. He's barely above straw, 58th overall. Uh, it, there's a lot of players who kind of go up and down. Uh, you go back to Baltimore. I mean, DJ Stewart's a guy I've talked about on this show a few times. He's hitting 203, but he's got a 250 bat pip. So his bat pip's not great. He's walking 14% of the time. And that's, you know, he, he's not a good defender, though. It, it's, you know, when I bring him up, it's he's just, he was always a kind of unathletic get-on-base type, even going back to his Florida State days. But he still manages to be about league average production. Uh, but again, defensively, there's issues. 
I wanted the Indians to add Corey Dickerson. Uh, he's at a 94. You can keep going. I've talked about Harrison Bader and Tommy Edmond. They're at 93 and 92. These are guys who are below league average. Uh, a lot of people wanted Jock Peterson at 91. Charlie Blackman, big name, 91. Harold Ramirez at 88 is tied for 76 in all of baseball. Eddie Rosario, by the way, is up to an 87. He's at uh, 78th in baseball. And then the player I really badly wanted from the Mets, Dominic Smith, major struggles this year. He's 85th overall, worth negative 0.5 war. Talk about a player that I just swung and missed on when we were discussing stuff. But let's take a quick moment here to talk about Eddie Rosario. If you're curious, I wanted to see what he's doing. Since he's gone over to uh, Atlanta, 41 plate appearances, so the smallest of sample sizes, 116 runs created plus. Uh, I don't know what's going on. His bat pip is a 161, so it's atrociously low. He shouldn't be like... He shouldn't have a 116 runs created plus with a bat pip of 161. He's hitting 222, but the bat pip is, what, 130 points below league average, basically. So he's incredibly unlucky, and he's producing for Atlanta. I, I don't know what to make of it. But it's just kind of interesting in general to look at that, consider that. Uh, and like I said, everyone wants the Indians to add outfielders. I want the Indians to add outfielders. We're going to talk about some interesting outfielders. And just some interesting uh, teams to trade with a bit here in the second and the third segment, which we'll get to in a moment. But I just wanted to point out, outfield is not deep. And every year, this is going to be, what, my third offseason with this podcast? Uh, or is it my fourth? I, you know, you start to run into a wall where you don't remember when you started, when you stopped with things. Uh, I believe it'll be my third offseason. You know, I, I go looking for outfielders every year because the Indians have basically needed outfielders for the better part of a decade and they can't draft and develop them at all on their own it just has not worked out i mean bradley zimmer is a top four uh outfielder tyler naquin is the third best outfielder they've developed in the last 20 years it's it's luke scott ryan church and then it's zimmer and naquin that's the list chisenhall uh would be up there even though he was not really an outfielder at the start of his career but that's that's where you are that's how bad they've been but every year i come away with You know, outfield is not as good of a position. And that's why I loved adding Eddie Rosario. Honestly, the guy had a long tradition of being an above-league average offensive contributor, and it didn't work out. One could not—one could have bet on him maybe regressing a little. One could not have—no one would have thought that that guy was going to drop his, you know, his average run created plus by, like, 40 points or 30 points than his career average. Uh, The drop-off there was kind of unbelievable, and it's just unfortunate for the Indians. We're going to take that commercial break, come back, and talk some more young players, talk some more ideas on how to help the Indians improve heading into next year. We're back better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on to start another football season. As always, BetOnline is your number one spot for pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 100% welcome bonus. That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use the promo code NFL100. I'm going to repeat that because that's different than how it has been. Instead of 50%, this is something different. 100% welcome bonus when you use the promo code NFL100. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of the amazing offers available for 2021. Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports. Bet online, your online sports experts. Remember that promo code is NFL100. 
This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure the pointless and intimidating questions as an LX or an EX? Wait for the person behind the counter to order the parts on their computer, choosing their brand that their warehouse happens. You have a computer with access to Rock Auto at home and in your pocket. Save time and money with Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30 50 and even 100% more for the same parts from chain stores or car dealerships? For instance, a Honda Odyssey fuel pump is $353 from the chain store, $216 from Rock Auto. It's a family-owned business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. And most of that's been online. This is an early adopter of the uh, online marketplace. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you could need. Uh, I've talked about before. Filters. And even if you're like me and you can't do anything about cars. Filters and windshield wipers, the easy stuff. You're going to save money if you go get that at rockauto.com. So go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection. Reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com so i had a lot of good feedback from the uh discussion about young you know mullins versus reynolds uh and then people always bring up some names so i thought i'd discuss some players and again the trade value site they say they're going to update in the off season it is a flawed but fun tool uh so it is interesting one name that keeps coming up uh you know something i'm not going to get to today but i'm going to probably save for tomorrow's show as well as our preview of the weekend series because there is no game tomorrow uh thursday is an off day uh is Fangraphs released a trade value list with honorable mentions this was back in july they did this and i somehow missed it but the top 50 players with honorable mentions and two indians made it i you can probably figure that out pretty easy who the two indians are who made it uh there's no surprise now the the player that a lot of people asked about was, I think, fourth on their list overall, uh, and that's Juan Soto. So I went over the trade value site. Juan Soto has a value. Juan Soto has the same amount of team control years as Reynolds and Mullins. I know that might seem unlikely, unlikely because it feels like he's been around, but you still get him for four more seasons uh, while he's been an absolutely elite bat. There are some concerns about body change. He is kind of following the Miggy Cabrera um, build, kind of thickening. He might more move to a first base or DH only role, but his value is a 184. So to get to a value of, or I'm sorry, his value is a 198. To get to a 184, I just went like outside of Jose Ramirez and Shane Beamer. I just went through the list of top valued Indians targets. Uh, if you trade Savali, Class A, Ty Freeman, Tristan McKenzie, Cal Quantrell, and Brian Rocchio. That's only a 184, so you still need to add another uh, 15 to 14 in value. So that's uh, Luis Jimenez would be the next piece, the seventh piece for Soto. Long story short, yes, the Nationals are absolutely terrible. Yes, the Nationals look like a team that's going to be bad for a few years, uh, but I don't think they're willing to trade Soto, and the cost is just impossible to meet. Would anyone out there actually do that trade? I I mean, I wouldn't. That's That's too much. So let's move to the next player. I thought it was really interesting a few weeks ago. I talked about the expansion draft they did over on The Athletic that the Cubs, for all of their issues, uh, the writer didn't have them protect Ian Happ. When you go over to the trade value site, he has a trade value of zero. We've talked about before. Again, there's some flaws here, and there's some reasons why you kind of look at that and go, I don't think that's true. Like You know that there's at least some nominal value to him. 
the overall team, I mean, they're they're lacking. I mean, this is a, a long-term rebuild. It's going to take a while. Uh, I know some people might be asking about Patrick Wisdom. I think they would move him, but honestly, it's like, what do you do if you're the Indians? Like, if you get Patrick Wisdom, are we sure he's just not Bobby Bradley? Like, they, there's some similarities to those profiles. Here's the thing with Ian Happ. He's, this is a down year for him. Uh, I went and I was curious because he's been platooning this year. Now, for his career, of course, I'm not there. Uh, he's got a versus left-handers in 89. So it's not great. But, I mean, the Indians have had guys out there in the outfield who have a runs created plus of 89 in general. Uh, versus righties is a 119. So it's the fat part of the platoon he hits while. And yes, he's in the midst of a down year for him, uh, which is still a 101 runs created plus. He is, I believe, mostly played center center field, left field. Uh, he wouldn't need to play center field in Cleveland. And I just keep coming back. He walks over 10% of the time. He's got 22 home runs. He's only hitting 224, and his bat pip is a little bit below league average. He's a league average-ish bat, and because he has been around for a while in the majors, he's making $4.1 million likely to get a minor raise, and you get him for 2022 and 2023. It's only two years. So he wouldn't be a heavy cost to acquire guy. And the Cubs are in such a bad state that, I mean, in some regards, getting an Ian Happ is, you know, the perfect, I wouldn't, it's not the perfect addition. Let's not go crazy here. But what's nice about him is there's a chance you could trade, you know, like a Sam Henches. And then another guy who, you know, like a Jose Fermin, who, I mean, I really like Jose Fermin. It's not like I'm saying this to get rid of him, but you could trade some of those guys who are fringe 40-man types to add him. Uh, Ian Happ's barrel percentage is 70%. His hard hit's 49. His chase rate is 80. His defense is not good. Let's be honest. But that's the thing. He was second baseman in college. Uh, he is a switch hitter. He's a bonus. But like I said, he, he does much better against righties than lefties. Uh, he walks a lot. He is barreling uh, that, but the defense, you just want to put him in left field and just leave him there. Don't don't play the center field game with him. He's not good enough to handle center. But at a two-year rental, if you could trade, I guess that's my question to the listener. If, if it's like Sam Henches and Jose Freeman, Jose Freeman, Jose Fermin, uh, are you cool with that? Is that what you would do for two years of Hap? I mean, even in his down year, he has been league average. And wouldn't we certainly settle for a league average left fielder? Uh, and, you know, you could platoon him if you wanted to, uh, to maybe get a little bit better production. But let's say it's not even, what happens if the trade was instead like Daniel Johnson and Sam Henches? So the Cubs get an interesting big lefty, and they take uh, Daniel Johnson, who gives them a replacement athletic outfield type to play every day, who has better physical tools. I think they would strongly consider that offer and clears you a 40-man spot. So that's that's where Ian Happ was kind of a name I wanted to talk about. And then the team I really want to talk about, how are we doing on time? Oh, long on time. So let's talk about the Padres, uh, how they're absolutely imploding. <laughs> they went out and made all those trades because Trent Grisham is a name that someone asked me about. And the thing with Grisham in general, is the Padres are in very poor shape in their outfield. Uh, Will Myers is hitting, but he's a terrible defender, but they have him for one more year. Then they have a team option that I do not think that they will take. Uh, you, Tommy Pham will be a free agent. So you're probably looking at outfield next year of Will Myers, Trent Grisham, and Jake Cronenworth if everyone is healthy. Uh, they don't have 
you know, anyone coming up who can help right away. The outfield has been an issue, long story short. I don't think they're going to trade Grisham. I don't think they have any interest in trading Grisham. He is basically on the same track right now with Mullins and Reynolds in terms of free agency. Uh, he's the best defender of that group by every metric. Very patient. Uh, power hasn't always been there, but there's some reasons to think, too, that you take him out of San Diego. Maybe there's a little bit more. But the guy, the pitcher who I would love to see the Indians buy cheap on, uh, if you can get San Diego in a situation where they feel up against it, I, I can't think that if you were the GM, he's got to feel like he's on the hot seat, right? I mean, they have made big, they make waves every year. They go out and they do all these trades. They go out and sign free agents. Uh, how about, you know, giving $7 million a year to Ha Soeng Kim? Uh, who I thought had a chance to transition better than a lot of players do because of the nice, you know, he didn't strike out a lot and he walked. Uh, he's got a 67 runs created plus this year. He's been a good defender, but they're paying him $7 million a year uh, for the next three years, and they're paying him a lot of money to be a utility player. Uh, and it's things like that where, okay, you know, they're paying all that, that pitching staff, and, I mean, they're paying all those pitchers, and, uh, Vincent Valesquez, who the Phillies just cut, is going to start for them this weekend because they're down on arms. Ryan Weathers, their young prospect, has been entirely used out of the pen. You go back and you look at uh, you know Chris Paddock and his inability to stay healthy. Uh, uh, Dinlison Lamette, who was a top five Cy Young candidate, has barely been able to pitch this year with health. They've had a lot of health issues, which is one thing. They've also been awful at player development. <laughs> we can talk about you know Quantrell as a pitcher and how he looked, I mean, he looked like at best a reliever with them. And almost nobody in that pitching staff is someone who came up with them. Their pitching development seems broken. And that makes me think, before the year began, Mackenzie Gore was a top three prospect in baseball, routinely considered the top pitching prospect in baseball, routinely considered the next big thing. Uh, Good deception, good pitch mix, uh, and then this year has just been an out-and-out disaster. Uh, I looked at the trade value site. Has him had a value of 16, I want to say, uh, when I was looking at it. Maybe, yeah, 16.1. He was at a 80, I want to say, before the year began. Uh, he's just down. Like I said, he was top five in all of baseball on every single list. And it's been ugly. But, I mean, outside of Fernando Tatis, who's the last prospect who came up with the Padres who's been successful? I'm struggling to think of one. You go and you look at that team. That is a team through trades and free agency. They have not developed their own talent. Uh, Gore has all the things that made him a really interesting pitcher who everyone thought would be pitching in the majors consistently this year. I know you're like, the Indians don't need pitching, but if there's a team you know that has apparently what looks like a broken developmental system and a prospect like that, and you've already had luck with Cal Quantrell, uh, especially if you could trade, like I went to get to a value of 1610, like on the trade value site, um, Bradley Zimmer, because hey, you know, a fourth outfield type who could potentially play for them. Uh, I, I've talked about, it. I mean, I like Bradley Zimmer. I think he's a fourth outfielder on a good team, but he might also have trade value to a team like the Padres who could be desperate for someone who could play three spots and work as a platoon player for them. And then Corinne Chalk, uh, yeah, he's a head case. And he's had his struggles this year, but they still have a nice trade value of 13.1. I don't know if you can get that, but the Padres might take the risk. The Padres might just be like, okay, you know, we'll work with him. You know, he, he knows Clevenger. Clevenger and him can, 
probably work some things out and be in a situation and they I mean they're going to be desperate for relievers they have quite a few hitting the open market and their bullpen is not very good and if you are the GM out there if you are AJ Preller uh, you have to feel like your job's on the line like Mackenzie Gore is all well and good but he's not gonna conceivably help you while you're still the GM unless you start unless you win and like I said he's now the third rated prospect down to 25th overall in fan graphs that might be my number one target, especially if you can do something and package two, three players. Uh, I know the 40-man is tight in San Diego as well, but not quite as bad because they have so many players who are hitting free agency at the end of this year. They have so many players who just haven't performed. They're going to have a lot of turnover in general. So I think, and the prospects aren't as good as they were. Uh, they are a team now that that minor league system has been largely picked over and kind of the in-between level guys either got promoted or got traded. Uh, so they they could be in a position where you know they could take a few more risks and gambles. They might have a little bit more wiggle room in their forty, and you know Mackenzie Gore is not set to necessarily play for them. Just an idea. Let me know what you think. Let me know as always over on my Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. Make sure to rate and review, download daily. All those things really help the show. Uh, and for the next year, go Tribe. After that, go go Guardians. Go.